Good morning, everyone, and I want to thank you for joining me with the Modern Heathen Man. This is Joe. Today, I'm coming to you alone. Um, today, I'm going to talk a little bit about creation and the heathen idea of creation. It's a little... This is one of the hardest things that we have to explain to people when we're talking about our um, path that we've chosen to take um, is creation and the afterlife. So I'm going to deal first with creation, and then afterwards I'm going to deal with the afterlife. I wrote a, a wonderful paper on the afterlife and where we go when we die as heathens. So with that said, today we're going to talk a little bit about the creation story. First about the creation of the universe as we know it, and then about um, Ask an Umbla. So with that said, give me a few moments and grab yourself a cup, grab yourself a mug, grab yourself some mead, grab yourself some coffee or some cider. I have coffee today. And join me on Modern Heathen Man as we talk about creation. And I'll be right back. Hey guys, this is Joe at Modern Heathen Man. How are you all today? Hoping you're having a good and uh, great day. Anyway, I wanted to tell you guys about this YouTube channel that I found called Midgard Musings. It's by a man named Jesse and it is incredible. He has new videos uploaded on the channel every Sunday night and he has a live Facebook stream every Sunday at 7 p.m. Um, Central Standard Time. Midgard Musings' goal is to help build heathen communities around the world with educational content and laid-back fun manner. He values the historical aspect of this path and uses it to help us grow and develop as heathens in modern times. So if you've been a heathen for a while or just brand new to it, definitely check it out. It's something worthwhile. If you'd like to support Midgard Musings by subscribing to youtube.com forward slash Midgard Musings, following on Facebook and purchasing merchandise from the Teespring and Redbubble Red stores. Redbubble, say that three times. All of which can be found on the YouTube channel video description. Midgard Musing also offers handmade driftwood rune sets for sale, and the purchase of these items help support the channel. Just to touch base on that a little bit, I actually own one of those rune sets. They are incredibly nice, good feel, wonderful stuff, good power within them. I'm telling you, worthwhile checking out. So please head on over to Midgard Musings, like and subscribe to the channel, and follow on Facebook and on YouTube at facebook.com slash midgardmusings and youtube.com slash midgardmusings. M-I-D-G-A-R-D-M-U-S-I-N-G-S. We'll find you that Midgard Musings. Thanks, guys, and have a great day. Hey everyone, I'm back, and I want to thank you once again for joining me from Modern Heathen Man. Um, so let's dive right into the story of creation. I'm going to read for you a synopsis, basically, of the creation story, um, and we'll go from there. So, to the north lies Niflheim, covered by ice and snow. To the south lies Muspelheim, a world seething in fire and flames. Between was a vast emptiness. We called it emptiness. Gunninga Gap. 
Venomous Water from the Spring Virgilmere in Niflheim flowed into this emptiness, freezing again and again, layer after layer of ice and rim frost. Hot winds from Muspel blew over the ice, causing it to thaw and drip. Life began in these drops and took the form of a giant, Ymir, the first of the evil frost giants. As Ymir slept, he sweated. A man and a woman grew out of the ooze under his armpit. And one of Ymir's legs fathered a six-headed son on the other leg. Thus, Ymir was the forefather of all the giants. Some of the other melting ice took the form of a cow. Ofhumla, sorry. From her teats ran four rivers of milk enough to nourish Ymir. She fed off the ice, licking the salty blocks. Her licking formed one of the blocks into a shape of a man. The shape became animated, and the man named Buri walked free out of the ice. Buri had a son called Bor, who married Besla, the daughter of a giant. They produced three sons. Those sons were Odin, Vili, and Vi. The three sons of Bor had no use for Ymir and his growing family of brutish giants. They attacked and killed Ymir. So much blood flowed from Ymir's body that it drowned all the other giants except for Burglemir and his wife, who rode away in a hollowed out tree trunk, I'm sorry, a hollowed out tree trunk floating on a sea of gore. All the giants today are descended from them. Odin, Vili, and V took Ymir's body to the center of Gnigagap. From his body, they made the world. Ymir's flesh became the earth, and his unbroken bones, the mountains. From his teeth and bone fragments, they made rocks and stones. They used his blood to make the lakes and oceans encircling the world. They raised Ymir's skull over the earth to make the sky and placed a dwarf at each of the four corners to hold up the sky. That would be North Street, East Street, West Street, and South Street. Glowing embers from Muspel were thrown into the sky to make the sun and moon and stars and planets. Ymir's brains were thrown into the sky to make the clouds. Ymir's eyebrows were used to make a fortification around the world to protect against the giants. Inside the fortification is Midgard, the realm of man. <clears throat> One day, Odin, Vili, and V were walking along the land and came across two trees with their roots ripped out. One was an ash, the other an elm. They fashioned these into the first man and woman. Odin breathed into them the spirit of life. Vili provided consciousness, wits, and a feeling hearts. V gave them the gifts of hearing and sight. The man was called Ask or Ash and the woman Embla, or Elm. And they were given Midgard in which to live. All the races of men are descendant from them. One of the giants had a daughter named Nott, or Night. Her son was named Dog, or Day. Odin set them in 
horse-drawn chariots in the sky to ride around the world. Not leads the way, and her horse is called Hrimfaxi. The drips from his bit form the morning dew. Dag follows drawn by his horse, Skinfaxi, which gleaming mane lights up the sky and the earth. This is Sunni and Mani. A man living in Midgard had a son and daughter so beautiful that he called them Sol, or Sun, and Mani, Moon. Angered by the man's daring, Odin snatched the children and placed them in the sky to guide the chariots of the sun and moon. The sun and the moon are always in a great hurry because they are being chased by wolves, son of the giantess. From the maggots that crawled in Ymir's flesh, Odin, Vili, and V created dwarfs. They have shape and wits of men, but they live under the earth in caves. Finally, the three brothers built their own realm, Asgard, as a mighty stronghold with green plains and shining palaces high over Midgard. They built the Rainbow Ridge Bifrost to link Asgard to Midgard. The Aesir, the guardians of men, crossed over the bridge and settled in Asgard. Odin, Allfather, is oldest and greatest of them all. And this was the beginning of all that has happened. When I come back, we'll discuss that a bit and go over some of those things and talk about them a little bit. See where in modern heathenry this all fits and how we portray the story to our friends, family, and those that we're bringing into our path or those that are looking to join our path to become part of it. And how, <clears throat> as a modern heathen, we view these ideas of the beginning of life, the beginning of the world, and the beginning of the universe. So when we come back, we'll talk about that. I look forward to it. See you in a moment. Joe here from the Modern Heathen Man. How are you guys tonight? I hope I'm meeting you well. Anyway, I wanted to tell you guys, while I'm out traveling, it's not always feasible to carry my whole big altar box with me. So sometimes I like a little something in my pocket. And I found a great place to get that from. That's Odin's Beard Woodworking. Great little place out there. It makes small little pocket altars for you with candles and um, gods and everything in them, little sayings and such wonderful work that this man does carves everything by hand he has a couple things going on here he has little pocket altars that i'm talking about for 25 dollars he has small d poles of five to six inches for 40 dollars seven to eight inches for 45 nine to ten for 50 and 11 12 for 60. he has 26 different deities to choose from and more coming every day your choices right now are odin thor Tyr, loki Freyr. Balder, Bragi, Hamdal, Njord, Fenrir, Ullr, Vidar, Hermod, Hel, Freya, Ostri, Skadi, Sif, Er, Frigg, Var, Thrud, Idun, Sigun, Ran, and Yord. That's a lot of different gods to choose from. So you can meet anybody's needs. Tell them what you want. You can go ahead and find him at www.odins.com 
beardwoodworking.com. He also has a Facebook page, and I know he does some stuff live every once in a while that you can actually watch him carve those things. Anyway, give him a good uh, look-see there and see if he has something that you can use. I guarantee his little pocket ultras will come in handy for you. So anyway, thanks guys. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Hey everyone, I am back, and thank you once again for joining us for this talk here today on creation. Um, there's a few things I want to go over first. The first thing is that the actual um, concept of ask and embla, um, we get that from two different places. Um, we get that from the Volspa and the Poetic Edda, and um, one other place, I, just, I don't remember where it is right now off the top of my head, and I apologize for that. Um... And in the Poetic Edit, it seems abrupt. It goes from talking about dwarves and dwarves being in the world to ask an embla. And then it looks like it's missing some stanzas based on the information that's given in the Poetic Edits. Now, this may not be true. Um, one of the schools of thought is that people believe that what it's saying here is that the dwarves actually created um, ask an embla out of the two trees. And then the gods breathed life into them. Also, in one of the different parts, um, it has him walking with Valley and V along the shores. And in another part, it has him walking with Honir and Loder, which are a little more obscure. But again, they both give the gifts. Um, Valley and V give the gifts as long as, as well as Odin does. So we have a few things going here. We believe that based on the information, it wasn't passed down properly. It wasn't given the necessary information because by the time we already have this they're already switching to christianity and that this was not important to be honest with you um so that's where that stands the other thing is um ask is obviously ash tree um embla is a little more obscure in the actual name of what it is it could mean the elm it could mean a water pot or it could mean a vine if it is a vine it's more of a sexual nature and more of a sexual metaphor for a man and the vine is a lot stronger, and it pushes through things if you get that connotation. I don't want to get into that too much. Um, trees are frequently used as metaphors to explain men in the Eddas and, and some of the sagas and stuff. Um, so with that said, let's jump into the actual creation story. So, you know, going back to... Let me just go back to Christianity for a second here, for a moment. When we were all Christians, or if we were Christians, I don't know, some of us were grown up heathens, um, and I'm really jealous of that, but I was not. I was grown up a Christian. Um, so in my Christian walk, I should say, the creation story, even for me there, is a little, I don't want to say wonky, but a little strange. Um, creation stories are really hard because we don't have the actual writings from the creation. So the creation story in the Bible was written by Moses, you know, 2000 years after the fact. So he received revelations, came up with this story based on what God told him to write on a piece of paper. So, you know, you run into the, the quandary of in the beginning, God said, let there be light. And there was, it was good, yada, yada. But then on the fourth day, he created the sun and the stars. So where was this light coming from? I, I mean, and then where did it go? It never says that he got rid of it. That's the other thing. So 
we have those going there. And then here we have some things that are a little stranger. Um, you know, in the north lies Nefelheim covered in ice and snow. I can see that. In the south lies Muspelheim, our Muspel, a uh, world seething in fire and flames. I can see that. So we have the contrast of both cold and hot. When we look into this, we have to understand that our ancestors and the people that were um, telling us the story lived in a world of both ice and heat. And in our human mind, they don't exist together. But in the world that they were in, they did. And I think this was strange to them. One of the benefits I've had in life was living in Utah. And while I was there, I'd visit Idaho quite a bit because we weren't that far away. And in doing that, there'd be hot springs in Utah in Utah and in Idaho, and in the middle of winter when it's snowing and you have a foot of snow on the ground, out of nowhere you see the steam rising out of the ground, and there's these hot springs that you can literally get into and warm up in, even though you're surrounded by ice and snow. I mean, the air could be minus 15 degrees or the wind chill factor of minus 25, but you're in water that's 112 degrees. That is strange, no matter how you look at it. But today we have the benefit of science, and we understand how that happens. But back then, they didn't have that science yet. They didn't truly understand how these things were existing together. So they formulated their ideas of how the world began based on their world. <clears throat> if you're from Hawaii, you would believe something totally different because heat is hot and you live in a place full of volcan volcanoes and volcanic lava and the heat's there and heat and heat and heat and heat and heat. Their creation story must involve some type of heat or something where heat comes from. Um, hot w winds blew from Muspelheim, blew over the ice, causing it thaw and drip, and it would build up layers. And again, this is something that they saw consistently. So when you live in an area where you have ice and snow and thermal vents, you'll see how the ice melts and refreezes and 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 continues to go and to build layer upon layer upon layer upon layer. And this is what it must have looked like before they got there. Not to mention <clears throat> the people that they would have talked to back then or their ancestors would have passed down stories of giant icebergs and glacial movement you know they're not that far from prehistoric time to be honest with you that they would be so far removed from it especially where they were because as the ice shelves receded back they would have been where they would have stopped because it was continually cold there so we have to look at those things when we're looking at this creation story um now, we get into the little things here. A man and a woman grew out of the ooze um, as Ymir slept um, from his armpit. You know, basically, they're talking the sweat of a man's armpit created the a man and a woman. Okay, now, I'm going to say this, and don't misunderstand when I say it. Also, his legs supposedly had sex and created a son, and... Thus, Ymir was the forefather of all giants. I understand that. This was their explanation of how these things happened. We know today that that may not be true. I mean, it's almost as... I don't want to say this right. It's almost as if they were trying to explain something, but on a level where uneducated people may understand it. So... 
it's like some of the Native American stories of things like, you know, how the crow became black. You know, apparently the crow was white before and then all of a sudden he came back black because someone tied it up and threw it in the fire and singed its feathers. And now all its ancestors are colored black to meet and to understand that myth. Um, do I believe this? I do not believe that this all happened this way. There are some truths to this and there are some fiction to this. I think just like anything, they put in the pieces that they don't know based on what they believed it to be. Okay. So I do believe in the melting ice to form a cow that could have happened. You know, this goes along with faith again. I mean, the faith that even Christians have this faith. I mean, do, do we really believe that a guy was swallowed up by a fish and lived in his belly for a few days and then was spit up later on the shore? Well, Christians will say, yes, it's absolute truth because it's in the Bible. But we don't know that. We've never seen that happen before. So we have to base that on faith. Um, the licking form of one block and the shape of a man. The shape became animated and the man named Burry walked free of the ice. Again, these are things that, you know, are faith-based. Burry had a son called Bor, who married Vesla, the daughter of a giant. They produced three sons, Odin, Vili, and V. Now, this is where Odin comes from. This may have been his parents' name. He may have been a big man. We don't know. So we get down to the part where they begin taking apart um, the giant and using him for pieces. Um, you know, the pieces that they use in Mir's body, they're down to all the giants, like his blood. We know today that the ocean is not made of blood. Um, we know that the clouds are not made of pieces um, of Ymir's body, that the flesh became the earth. We know it's, it's dirt. Um, his unbroken bones and mountains. We know the mountains are not made of unbroken bones, but of stone and different types of stone, his teeth and bone fragments. They made rocks and stones. They used his blood to make the lakes and oceans encircling the world. They raised Ymir's skull over the earth to make the sky and place the dwarf at each of the four corners to hold up the sky. We honor these stories. And even today, north, south, east, and west are in honor of this story because we know for a fact that this is what they called these dwarfs. Um, this, um, the emblems are glowing embers from Muspel were thrown in the sky to make the sun and moon and stars and planets. Um, you know, I give them a lot of credit for understanding that the suns and the, the stars were glowing rocks or glowing balls of gas that gave out heat. Ymir's brains were thrown in the sky to make clouds, and again, we, we know that his brains did not make clouds. The clouds are made of moisture um, that are you know, put together. But to them, this is what brains look like when they were doing their, their work to slaughter animals. So we're going to take a break here for a second, um, let some of that sink in for a little bit. Um, I'm not saying anything bad. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm just talking about the creation story. Um, so we have to look at it with a grain of salt here. So we come back and talk a little bit more about it and uh, I'll be right back. Joe here from the Modern Heathen Man. I was looking for some new stuff for my beard, and 
I was looking around and I wanted something my wife would like as well. I was looking for a good product that didn't leave my beard feeling greasy, that nourished it and kept it moist, and had a good scent to it as well. Um, so in discussing with my wife, we tried a few different things, and I found this wonderful heathen place called Beast Curiosities. Now, they don't just offer beard oil. They have quite a few different products available through them. Um, you definitely want to go ahead and check them out at BeastCuriosities.com. But I specifically tried the beard oil. Um, I tried Hell's Respite. I tried Tears Loyalty. And I tried, give me one second, Yords Wilderness. All of these were really great beard oils. They all had wonderful scents that lasted a long time and would stay with me throughout the whole day. They nourished my beard and kept it good. And they also made it that it felt nice and was good to smell. And other people around me liked it quite a bit. So when you actually get in their oils, they try really hard to produce an oil that does what it says it's going to do while nourishing your beard as well. They tried a few products so they got the great one together and they call it their magical beard oil i will tell you it is magical it smells great even after going to the pool with my wife for about three hours my beard still smelled great and felt great so with that said i'm going to tell you to go ahead and check them out again they're not only beard oil but beast curiosity is a place you want to go beastcuriosities.com you can also email him and check out his products at beast at beastcuriosities.com. They have a Twitter account at BS Curiosities, and you can also find them on Facebook at facebook.com slash beastcuriosities. You definitely want to go out and get some of this if you have a beard. It is a wonderful product, something great to use. My wife and her friends all love this product quite a bit. So go ahead and get it if you get a chance, guys. It's a wonderful product. Thank you, guys, and have a great day. Okay, everyone, I am back, and I apologize about the delay here. So, you know, the, these stories, they remind me a little bit of, like, I don't want to say this and sound bad. They remind me a little bit of children's stories. You know, we have the sagas, and we have the other things, like the poetic edits and stuff, and they're so clear and concise and so exacting. Um, I just don't think that the person taking this information down and passing it along really took it that seriously or even – you know, believed in what they were writing. I mean, we have science today that tells us, you know, different things that go on. And of course, you know, a lot of stories are hard to believe. But even in my Christian walk, when I was a Christian, I, I found that the the creation stories were a little far-fetched. I mean, bang, all of a sudden he says, let me be like, boom, all the light comes out of here, nowhere, and everything else, you know, without any formation, without any thought process, without any um, guidance or anything like that. How does that work? You know, we know that the universe is built on very specific laws and very specific things that happen, you know, everything from gravity to magnetism to um, how things work and um, play on each other, how the moon circles the earth to create the tides, how the spin of the earth and the spin of the moon are taking from each other and how, you know, different things work together, how an earthquake can make the earth slower or faster and all these other things. And we understand how all that works today because of science, you know, and how all these things fall. So even, you know, in, in the walks that I had as a Christian, it didn't go with science at all. And science isn't the big bad guy in all of this, in all honesty. What it does, though, it makes us smarter. It makes us able to understand things better. 
like we talk about the world tree, and if we go out far enough in the universe, we get to the cosmic web is what they call it, and it looks like the roots of a tree. You know, to me, that's really cool. To me, that really says, you know, the ancestors knew what they were talking about a bit. Um, you know, sun and day, we know that the earth is not surrounded by two chariots that run, that are being chased by wolves. But we do honor those things by naming them Sunni and Mani, and that's why we have Sunday and Monday, I'll be honest with you. So with that said, you know, we honor those things, and we continue to honor them in everything we do. The creation story for me when I first became heathen, you know, wasn't that hard to believe because being a Christian before we had that, you know, story, um, you know, and science tells us that everything was compacted in the middle of the universe, a giant ball of mass of uh, energy and everything that was shaking around. So boom, it became the Big Bang and here's the universe. I don't know if I believe that either. I'll be honest with you. That seems a little you know, far-fetched that everything can be compacted in such a small area and then just explode to become what it is. So as modern heathens, what do we do with this? Well, you know, just like anything, we teach this just like we teach everything else. And we read that story to our children, let our children formulate their own opinions. We let people formulate their own opinions on what they want. If you are a diehard heathen and you absolutely believe in the story, then you know what? More power to you. I'm going to say this and not sound callous or mean. You have more faith than I do. And I'm almost jealous of that. I'm almost jealous in the fact that you have that faith so deep, so strong that you understand this story of creation and are able to go with it and move through it and make it part of your your life and your rituals and your you know daily veneration of the gods and more power to you if you're a person who cannot quite grasp it i understand that i do as well you know these are all this these are all parts of faith sometimes we don't understand what's going on. Sometimes we don't fully comprehend what is trying to be said to us or the portion that somebody is giving us. But in the long run, if we continue to still go with it, we understand it more and more and more and more, and it becomes part of our day. And eventually we may receive that information, which helps us to understand it. So as modern heathens, what we do is we continue to read that story. We continue to try to understand that story. We seek out the gods, we seek out the ancestors, and we ask them what they are, what they meant by it. We try to meditate on it more often. We try to meditate on the people that are telling us the story. We try to meditate on the gods themselves and ask the gods what they think. You know, maybe it's not important how we got here. Maybe it's important that we're just here. And now that we are here, we have to work at things. Um, you know, I've always said things like when I was a Christian, you know, people would talk about, oh, well, was Jesus married and was Jesus this and was Jesus that? And my answer always was, well, is that really important, so important to your salvation that you need to know that? And it's the same thing here. It's the same concept. Is it so important to our path that we have to know how we were created or the universe was created? Isn't it just a marvel that it's there? Isn't it just incredible that it's there for us to look at each and every day, to enjoy, to impact us, for us to impact it, 
um, to share it with one another, to be part of this creation that was made for us to live on, you know, by the gods. I think it's really um, nice and I think it's really cool that we're able to go ahead and enjoy this here, enjoy the creation that was made for us. And as modern heathens, I think we have to start taking care of that. I mean, we have to really understand what Jordan is to us and how Sunni and Mani are impacting us on a daily basis and venerate those things and bring those things to light more and more for us. We need to, you know, meditate on Sunni in the morning. And I always, every morning I greet the new day sun. I see, um, I take my wife to work when it's dark on my way back, I sit out and I greet the new day sun and I, you know, venerate to Mani and venerate to the gods that bring me those things and show my respect for them and show my respect for what they did for me and how they did it for me. So with that said, as modern heathens, we just continue to teach the story. It's a great story. I really enjoy it. I enjoy reading about it. I enjoy the the idea of Ganinga Gap, the emptiness that was between the two worlds and how we fit into that section. I enjoy reading of how um, Odin, Villian V created Asgard with the Rainbow Bridge and the beautiful buildings that are there. And I meditate on Asgard quite a bit to understand it more, to understand where they live and what they go through, um, to really venerate the gods, to see what is going on there. The gods have been so gracious to me in, in my um, meditation and in my daily life that I'm able to see them and enjoy them and basically commune with them a bit here and there. And they've been so gracious to do that for me. So, you know, I can't say enough that we need to go ahead and continue to honor them. I continue to do the things that honor them. And if this is the creation story and this is a true story, you know, I, I asked them to to forgive my ignorance in all honesty. Um, but as we begin to bring other people into this path, we have to let them know that, you know, it's okay not to believe something. It's okay not to understand something. And sometimes even though we don't believe it, that doesn't mean that we can't support it and we can't um, build upon it. And what I mean by that is, not to be political, but let's use our president today. I didn't vote for our president today, but he's still my president. I still stand behind him. I still stand behind what he does because he is the representation of us to the world. And yeah, there's things he does I don't like. There's things he does I like. Like every president before him that has been in my life, there's things they do I like. There's things they do I don't like. Nobody is a perfect human, and we know that. But we can still support things even though we don't wholly believe in them or understand them. So with that said, I want to thank you guys for joining me for this discussion today on creation. If you have any questions, you can go ahead and email me at modernheathenman at gmail.com. You can also get on the Facebook page and um, send a question or a comment there. And if you're part of Anchor, you can go ahead and add your comment directly here and I'll get it in um, audio form and I can actually post that if you want. Um, I'll come to you next um, in a little bit and I enjoyed talking with you today. I want to thank you for joining me and I want to hail you for taking the time to listen to become a better heathen um, and 
Thank you so much. Have a great day. Mm -hmm.